Employment Roundtable podcast is produced by the Gable Gottwalls Law Firm. The Employment Roundtable is provided for educational and informational purposes only and does not contain legal advice or create an attorney-client relationship. The information provided should not be taken as an indication of future legal results. Any information provided should not be acted upon without consulting legal counsel. Hello and welcome to the Employment Roundtable, where we provide you with the perspectives and information you need to make wise employment decisions for your employees and your organizations. I'm your host, Talitha Ebright, and today we're talking with the EEOC's Holly Cole and my Gable Gottwald's partner, Ellen Adams, to get an overview about religious discrimination in the workplace. Now, Holly, when an employee files a religious discrimination charge with the EEOC, factors does the EEOC consider in analyzing the employee's allegations? Thanks, Talitha, for inviting me to speak again today. I appreciate it. So um, one of the big things to keep in mind when we're talking about uh, religious discrimination under Title VII um, is that the definition of religion is very broadly defined. So it could include uh, not only traditional organized religions, but also religious beliefs um, that might be new, they might be uncommon, they might not even be part of a formal church or sect. And it could be a religious belief that's only subscribed to by a small number of people. And it could be something that um, the rest of us might think is illogical or unreasonable, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's it's not a religious belief. Um, and it's not a religious belief is not just limited to the um, practices that are mandated or prohibited by the tenets of an individual's faith. Um, and they're protected even if the employee is affiliated with a religious group that does not espouse or recognize that that individual's particular belief. Um, and it could be something that's a religious belief, even if nobody else adheres to it. And the question is going to be whether it's a sincerely held belief and the um, employees may be asked and they should be asked to explain the religious nature of their belief. Um, they, and they shouldn't assume that the employer already knows or understands about it. Okay, thank you. And and so if, you know, let's say that we assume um, as an employer, we assume that a, you know, a, a request or a, a belief is sincerely held, then what's the, what else does the employer do at that point? Yeah, and so, um, you know, I think that it's, it's perfectly reasonable for an employer to question the sincerity of the religious belief. And, you know, one of, it comes down to credibility in large part. And um, sometimes we see an employee say, oh, you know, out of the blue, you know, here's my religious um, belief. And now I need an accommodation for this. And the employer says, wait a second. You, this, you know, we've never heard you espouse that belief before and ask some more questions about it. But on the other hand, um, it could be a situation where that employee is, is newly converted to a particular religious practice or belief. Um, but uh, nonetheless, it is appropriate to, to question the sincerity of the religious belief. Um, and no one factor is determinative. You, you have to evaluate the situation on a, on a case-by-case basis. 
Okay, thank you. So now it sounds to me overall like this framework, um, the framework that the EEOC uses to kind of analyze this issue is pretty similar to the framework used to um, to analyze charges under the ADA or the uh, um, Americans with Disabilities Act. Is that accurate? It, it is. It is. And, and we talked about that before. So, re, so remember that um, under the ADA, uh, the, the person has to has to prove that they're a person with a disability. Right. Um, the person uh, claim, uh, asking for a religious accommodation has to say, here's my religious belief, my sincerely held belief. And here's the accommodation I'm asking for. So at the outset, those are two things that the employee proves. Um, but a difference comes into play uh, between the ADA and between Title VII and a religious accommodation request in um, the concept of undue hardship. So recall when we were talking about the ADA, um, the um, it, it's kind of hard for an employer to prove that it would be an undue hardship to grant this accommodation because they have to show it is, you know, it's so expensive. It's so um, beyond anything we can provide that we don't have to provide it. And under Title VII, it's, it's a lower standard. The employer only has to show um, a minimal hardship. And so maybe I can give you an example of that. Um, say someone wants, it's a small employer, okay? And someone says, I need to be off on Saturdays because that's the day that I attend church services. So I don't, I don't want to work Saturday shifts anymore. The employer says, yikes, um, we don't have enough employees to cover your shift on Saturday. So we're probably, we, we're not going to be able to do that. You know, on the other hand, they might say, well, we can't give you every Saturday off, but maybe we can give you, um, you know, a couple of Saturdays off. Let's talk about that. So um, under the ADA, it would be difficult for that uh, request to be denied because um, chances are um, the requests under an ADA, you know, don't rise to that level that they're so expensive or so um, un uh, not realistic that, that they can't be done by the employer. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you for explaining that difference too. That's helpful. Um, so turning to you, Ellen, what are best practices for employers in responding to employees' requests for religious discrimination, or sorry, rather a religious accommodation? Sure. Thanks, Talitha. Um, you know, at the outset, because of how broadly religion is defined and the, the breadth and scope of that, I think it's wise for employers to err on the side of believing the employee's uh, statement that it's a sincerely held religious belief. Now that said, um, an employer should have a policy in place and a defined practice for evaluating accommodation requests. So your employees should know how to submit requests and the employer should have a process through which they can analyze whether a stated belief is in fact sincerely held. Um, and as Holly indicated, that can be uh, an inconsistency in practice or a request that was maybe initially raised for a secular reason that now is being raised under the cloak of a religious belief. So those types of um, indicators might raise a flag for the employer to inquire into the sincerity of someone's belief. Um, it's very helpful to utilize a form 
for employees to fill out. So they're they're writing down and documenting what their uh, sincerely held religious belief is and how that sincerely held religious belief conflicts with an employer's policy um, or a scheduling issue that, that might arise. And then the employer has the opportunity to really evaluate that in accordance with their process as to whether it creates an undue hardship. Um, and then the employer should be well-versed in the different factors it can consider in what constitutes an undue hardship. And we're not just looking at expense. We're also looking at um, how it's going to impact the organization as a whole. Uh, as Holly pointed out, that's going to look different for a small employer versus a large employer. But uh, their HR department in consultation with legal should be able to have a process in place to evaluate those types of requests and then document uh, the communication back to the employee about uh, whether there's an undue hardship or whether perhaps there's an alternative accommodation that the employer could offer to address the sincerely held religious belief that might not exactly be the accommodation the employee requested, but one that um, the employer could provide without an undue hardship. Mm -hmm. I think that's great advice. I think especially the part where you talk about closing the loop with the employee, because sometimes when uh, people come to us and file charges, they say, I asked for this accommodation and it just disappeared into the ether and they never got back with me and they never, you know, they just denied it and da, da, da. So, and that may not even be true. The employer may have stepped through all of these um, steps and processes, but if there's not that closing the loop with the employee, um, then sometimes there's a disconnect there. So I think that's smart advice. Yeah, I think great stuff from both of you. I appreciate um, both of your perspectives. And I thought it was really particularly interesting to learn first from Holly about the difference between undue burden under the ADA and undue burden under Title VII. Um, I also really appreciated Ellen's advice about erring on the side of believing um, that a religious belief is sincerely held. I think that's a great starting place. Um, so thank you very much to both of you. And thank all thanks to all of you for listening to this episode of the Employment Roundtable. Please join us next time as we discuss the intersection between the religious discrimination framework and COVID-19 vaccines. Thank you. The Employment Roundtable podcast is produced by the Gable Gottwalls Law Firm. The Employment Roundtable is provided for educational and informational purposes only and does not contain legal advice or create an attorney-client relationship. The information provided should not be taken as an indication of future legal results. Any information provided should not be acted upon without consulting legal counsel. 